Hey everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and this is the second episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. So the goal of this podcast is twofold. One, we'd like to expose our listeners to as many different kind of jobs as we can and two, We'd like to go into as much detail as we can for each of these jobs so that someone listening to the podcast can decide for themselves, does a certain job sound interesting to them? And if yes, how do they go about exploring it further? So on today's show, our guest is someone who works as a software engineer with Google. His name is Naresh Rapalu, and he works at the Google headquarters in Mountain View, California. Now, I'm sure all of you are familiar with Google. Google is the search company that pretty much all of us use to find any kind of information on the internet. As far as software engineering is concerned, this is one profession that has come under a lot of limelight recently. And this is primarily because of the huge success that technology companies have seen in the recent times. Companies such as Google, Facebook, Uber, Airbnb, all of them are testament to the huge impact that technology is having on our everyday lives. And almost all of them are products of a few software engineers coming together with big dreams, writing code, and the rest, as they say, is history. So I'm really excited about today's show because I think Naresh will be able to share a lot of very useful insights with us about what this profession is and also What is it that makes software engineers such prized commodities in today's times? So with that, let's switch over to Naresh. Hey, Naresh, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Sonali. So are you in the office right now doing this? (laughs) Unfortunately, yes. Hey, I'm so sorry. Were you you there because of work or were you sticking around waiting to record this? Uh, The second one mostly, but usually (laughs) I do stay until like, I see, I see. Okay. So tell me something, Naresh. Uh, before I start asking you questions around software engineering, what is your favorite perk at Google? I know Google gives a lot of very, very <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, since I recently graduated, uh, food and free food is probably the most because I was struggling to cook something for myself and most often I would eat outside and then struggle with weight gain. So it was this vicious cycle and thankfully I have now access to free healthy food <laughs> and I don't need to be, I don't need to waste time on cooking. That's awesome. So what kind of food do you get? What kind of free food do you get at Google? Uh, so there are a lot of cafes, uh, I think around 25 cafes here in Mountain View and uh, like all of them serve different cuisines. So you can, choose, you can pick and choose what you want to eat that day for lunch and for dinner and then that's how you can just you can just go and eat whatever you want. Nice. So what did you eat today? <laughs> today I had some Italian pasta, some pizza. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you try not to eat junk, but then sometimes you get tempted. And then <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, sounds like a fun place to work. So could you please start out with telling us a little bit about yourself? I was born and brought up in uh, Hyderabad, it's a it's in southern part of India, mm-hmm. and um, 
guess uh, most of most of my life I've been a, I've been a nerd if you qualify that way. I was always into more into a cats than sports, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I I mean as as with most people in my position, I think I like reading a lot of books. But these days I'm you know, uh, venturing out, in developing my interests in other areas like meditation. I guess they're still some somewhat involved, but but yeah, I'm 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 trying to become more open and explore more things. But until now, I think I was mostly into books. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what has your career path been like so far? Uh, so let me start. Let say around high school I guess so I was I was very much interested in math and science and um, uh, I, I did I think I, I began writing programs on coding sometime in 11th or 12th standard and then uh, later on I went I, I pursued my bachelor's in computer science uh, actually I wanted to do core mathematics but uh, I somehow fell into an engineering school, so I had to combine it with some something more engineering. So finally, I ended up at computer science and engineering. And uh, I really liked uh, understanding how computers work, uh, right from software to hardware. And then after after four years, I I felt I need to uh, I need some time to understand this field a bit more. And I was I was always slightly inclined towards research. Uh, so that led me to pursue a PhD in computer science from Purdue University, and um, after that I joined Google, and uh, yeah, here I am, my first full-time job, and, and I'm having fun. All right. So, a quick question. So you said that uh, you, you know, right after high school, you were interested in mathematics, but then you fell into an engineering school, so you combined the two together. Anything that you think might have helped in developing that initial interest in maths and science? So actually, I think for me, I had really good teachers uh, for math and science in both high school and middle school. And I think uh, one, one of the, I think they really uh, sparked that interest in me. For example, my math teacher used to be very supportive of me and then he always felt, you know, I could, I could solve most of the problems myself. So, uh, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll just narrate like one of the incidents. Uh, yes, of course. Um, and I think that that's actually a very instructive uh, uh, incident, I guess. So he uh, he always asked me to be ahead of his schedule by one chapter. So suppose if they're there, if if he's doing chapter eleven, he always used to say, Naresh, you should go ahead and do chapter twelve." So his intention was that I should go ahead, read up the chapter 12 from the textbook and try to solve the problems myself. So as kids, you know, you, you, you kind of take it up as a challenge and then probably the first time you do it, you're slightly hesitant. But suppose you like you go ahead and read it and suppose you do get, you do solve some problems in chapter 12 on yourself without anybody's help. You get a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and you feel you get that confidence and from then on, you start to solve a lot of problems yourself. You, you kind of venture out of your academic uh, schedule and stuff. So that's what happened to me. I mean, I think even my science professor always had this um, 
physical risk. Science teacher used to show a lot of experiments. Uh, so any physics, any any chapter in physics was uh, supplemented with an experiment, a physical experiment, and then it kind of ignited a lot of curiosity in me. And so I think science, and I guess so that that's I think one reason why science and math felt very natural to me, and so I moved into that profession. Okay. Wow. So uh, I guess. Your teachers in school played a big role in in developing that initial interest in maths and computers. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And then you said that right after graduation, right after your undergrad, you went into uh, research at Purdue. So, what was your research area? Uh, so I was working mostly on large scale storage systems. Uh, so I, I guess uh, to put it in layman terms, these days. Com- like most of these cloud companies like Google, Amazon, and Microsoft are collecting a lot of data from users, and each like each service now has like million, hundreds of millions of users, and so you need to have there are these big data centers with hosting like thousands of computers which actually store the data, uh, uh, user data. So so basically, the systems which are used to maintain and synchronize the data and make it accessible and available to users, these are pretty complex systems. And um, in terms of, they're actually software systems, I should say. Um, and there's, there's a lot of uh, science behind how these systems should interact and uh, perform their activities. So it's the whole area of distributed systems. And so uh, I was specifically working on protocols for synchronization among your distributed data centers and and the rest. Let me not go into too much details, but that, yeah, that, that, so mostly my research was on large scale storage systems. Okay, okay. All right. That's, ex- that's, I don't think I understood the full extent of it, but it sounds very, very interesting. Okay. So now that you're at Google, is this a fairly typical background where a lot of software engineers tend to have a bachelor's in computer science and engineering followed by research? I would not say research is compulsory, uh, but typically most most software engineers do have a bachelor or a three-year or four-year degree program in computer science. Uh, research is pretty optional, I would say, because software engineer, even though the term is generic, it really varies what kind of a software engineer you are so uh, so research helps in in uh, if you're trying to develop a new uh, let's say system software or something something new beyond using what exists so so there is this two sides right one is trying to develop new novel uh, software and this the other side is using existing software components to build an application so I think uh, research kind of helps you in getting a sense of what has been done and why the current software stack behaves the way it does and how can we improve it. In that respect, I would say research is not a compulsory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it does help in getting a complete picture of uh, you know how software, what is software, how does it interact with hardware, how has the whole world of computer science evolved. In the, in the past, say, two, three decades. And so, yeah, it does give you a better picture of things. I see, I see. Okay, okay. So, what does a software engineer do then? And I, I think you touched on it a little bit as you tried to answer the question on research, but what does a software engineer really do? So, yeah, I mean, in the generic 
sense uh, software engineer writes software but the word software itself is such a general term because any piece of code you write can be termed as software so even say previously most people like say even math researchers would probably write a lot of math on paper and then that's it right but these days even they try to write the code on some uh, some simulators in r and they they have their own language just to model the mathematical um, equations and stuff so even that could be called a software as long as you know a computer executes some code it's a software so in that sense uh, what software engineers do is write softwares but there are a whole stack of um, different softwares that people build so there is this one side of softwares called the system software system software is software that interacts with low level hardware let's say the cpus or um, embedded systems and all the electronic software or electronic hardware that's out there so this is called system software which is very low level uh, also if suppose uh, as i mentioned like the part of my research was in trying to uh, build uh, sophisticated or efficient software which can orchestrate and synchronize like hundreds thousands of computers uh, to make them all work together to get a task done uh, so that could also be called a system software the other side of software which actually is where most of the software engineers lie is application development wherein there is a product that needs let's say uber or microsoft office or any of these softwares word editing document editing softwares is basically there is a user and there are there are the, you want some requirements you have some requirements as to how should the user interact with the system and then you write a piece of software which plugs in the system software to what the user wants so this is more application i would say this is more application software even say let's say designing a web page or, or building a website is more of application development than core system software so uh, so there are these two and even in, in like most companies you would have com- uh, engineers working some of them on system software some of them on application development or uh, website designing and stuff and so as the word goes most of the work is in uh, engineering a software uh, like with any system design let's say you someone has to build a chair right and building a chair like an, or, or you know designing and manufacturing a chair involves a lot of processes and like right from uh, designing the chair to be aesthetically good it has to be comfortable for the person sitting in if there is a certain amount of weight that it can tolerate there's, there's so many aspects to designing uh, like imp- uh, manufacturing something right similarly even when you're building a software there are like tons of things that need to go well to for that software to function correctly and handle all its user user cases that's that's where the engineering part of software comes in making sure that it fits the right it, it fits the requirements and it can do its work even though suppose let's say i implemented a software and suppose i leave the, the company tomorrow and then someone else comes in another aspect of software engineering is that new person should be able to understand what i wrote right it's 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 essentially i'm i'm writing it in some language so that the person should be able to understand it and be able to extend on what i've done so that's the other the, the other that's called uh code maintenance that's the other part of software engineering so i think all of these fall into uh, 
the, the general term of software engineer. I see, I see. No, that's extremely helpful. And I, I understand that software engineering in itself just is a very, very broad term because essentially you're writing software. But as you said, there's a lot of different processes that go into it depending on at what level you're operating. Exactly. So I think what will be helpful for our listeners is if you could describe the kind of problems that you solve every day, and I'm sure that that varies day to day, but what are the kind of problems that you encounter? Um, maybe I should try to take some examples as much as I can instead of being very abstract. Mm-hmm. So there are, there, are, there are two aspects to, so I, I would say, let's say if you, you have a web service, some kind of a web service, okay, there is, let's say, Google search is one of one such web service, right? And it's oh, a software, actually. So I, I, uh, just, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I think I might interrupt you a couple of times in this podcast just to clarify some terms which you might use, which uh, everyone might not be familiar with. Uh, so when you say web service, what does that mean? So, okay, uh, let's say it's a, just a website, okay? Just just think of a website and how it works as a black box and call it a web service, something which is uh, accessible on the web. Okay. So it's some piece of software which is accessible through on the web through a website. Okay. So let's say for that matter, as I said, Google search is web service. Mm-hmm. So it offers something to the users through a web UI. I understand. Okay. So if you look at Google search itself, right? So there is there is this whole soft, big software that's running somewhere behind that is actually uh, implementing the search functionality. So if you look at that piece of software, there are two basic challenges with that software. One is the the system side of it, the fact that you know you uh, this, the, the, that particular web service gets like hundreds of millions of hits every on every minute at every uh, every every hour, you know, from all across the globe. So people expect that service to be always up and running, right? And, and also the amount of data that process to actually generate a search result is huge. It has to actually pretty much, um, you know, look at all the documents that are on the internet and then serve the result, right? So every search request, let's say, uses like a thousand machines or in the back. And I'm just, I'm just, these are just approximate numbers. So don't, don't mm-hmm. hold me on those mm-hmm. numbers. But what I'm saying is it, it's it, a lot of machines get involved while delivering the result, right? So there is this whole software services which have to always keep these machines running. Mm-hmm. Even if some machines fail, some other machine must should take up its responsibility. Suppose let's say the whole of America gets disconnected on the internet somehow. You know there are some mm-hmm. wires which which actually run between underneath <laughs> yeah. oceans, and somehow the internet gets cut off, right? But still, like someone from India should be able to still use Google search. For that to happen, the software has to be very robust. It has to be, it has to what we call as fault tolerant, wherein it should be able to cope with machine failures, data center failures, network failures, and so there is this whole slew of problems in the back end. You know, we call we call these as back end services, and these problems are mostly system level problems, and that's one of the very pressing issues these days for software engineers because as more people on to the internet more part of this world gets connected to internet and more people are coming online every web service is being used by more people and so the amount of fault tolerance for that software is is uh, proportionately increasing um 
the other kind of problems uh, that in general softwares try to solve is somehow make life easier you know uber is a very good example of that i uh, i'm not very sure if all the uh, listeners would be familiar with uber or probably suddenly you can say a bit about uber i think yeah of uh, course Yeah, so for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Uber, Uber is basically a mobile app where uh, users can simply provide their location and they can call a cab no matter where they are. And we won't go into details of how it how they actually do it, but it's like on-demand cab service and it's very very uh, it's very efficient, great service and it's all thanks to technology. Exactly. So so that's a good that's a good way of uh, summarizing it i would say um so if you look at it i think that prob that service existed the whole concept of a taxi service existed for like centuries right i guess even before cars existed there were horses and i'm sure there was some sort of taxi service where you could just call some horses because you wanted to move from one place to another right so so if you look at how software or technology improved that service and made it now accessible on a mobile phone that is what i would call building software to progress humanity if i if i for me use that word you know it's about changing human interactions in human life and how they how people go about with their life uh, using software google search is another example where you now have access to the whole world's information on a website or even on your phone so that is where a software tries to identify a software engineer tries to identify pain points or places where software can touch a uh, humanity and improve a uh, life for humans right that is the other aspect of software engineering where you are trying to simulate uh, the the world around you and try to somehow make it more easier and solve everyday problems right right No, thank you so much. I think that is extremely, extremely insightful, and um, I think later in the podcast we will get to why do you think software engineers uh, are in so much demand these days. But we'll get to it once we've covered just the basics of what this profession is all about. Sure. So, so you you touched upon you know the sort of problems that you might be working with on a regular basis. Can you describe a typical day for us? and you know maybe talk a little bit about the kind of activities that you sort of engage in and how much time you spend on each of them maybe i could you know give some insight into what i do here on a daily basis so i'm i'm currently working in the shopping search and uh, shopping express teams so so there are if you look at shopping in general there are two kinds of problems that we try to solve one is making the shopping search or uh, results be more useful to the public you know suppose if suppose someone is some someone's a teenager and you kind of like the systems kind of understand that the person behind that account or behind that mobile phone is a teenager your search result like a shopping search results would be typically curated to match the personality the who is uh, using the phone right so that is the, that is the human aspect as in where we try to understand okay as humans what 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 part of shopping should be simplified right uh, that one is of course trying to, trying to be able to search and choose between many products and second is trying to find the product with the least cost or even try to find the, the retailer or the merchant who's who's selling that product at the, the lowest cost 
and, and and say that other team that is also part of this is basically um, the shopping express team where uh, let's say you do know what you want to buy but it's you know it's probably somewhere at Costco which is like 10 miles from your place and you don't have time to go there and go through you know, sit in the line and you know purchase the product so Google Express is basically uh, you could just buy the product online and it will be shipped to you shipped to your house on the same day or the next day so basically these are softwares which you know where we are trying to understand human needs and uh, trying to build software which solves those problems right so a typical a good amount of day uh, daily life we spend is spent in meetings where we are you know just most of the time brainstorming about how should whatever piece of software we have how do we improve it so that uh, users find it more useful somehow we are trying to improve this improve the whole the useful uh, usefulness aspect of the software and of course, the other part of the day is implementing whatever we've thought about, right? So there is this brainstorming session, then we come up with this whole bunch of ideas, and then you, you start, and someone has to sit down and implement. Unfortunately, software engineers have to do both both the things, so they also have to figure out what to do and also actually sit and do it. So so that that is the doing part, and also there is, as I said, there is also the third aspect, which is just making sure that the actual uh, software you previously written works and you know it's actually you know helping users of current day before actually improving your software so there is this whole maintenance software maintenance that happens wherein as i said when if, as more people are coming on to the web more people are using the web service there is uh, more pressure on the software um, uh, to deliver the results in within the given time span and so for that web service to work there, there are like thousands of machines which are somehow talking to each other somehow doing the, the work by orchestrating among themselves and doing the work and actually sending back the results right so there is obviously there is that software maintenance and software uh, just ensuring that things are working the way we the way we want them to work yeah no that that, that makes well, a lot of sense yeah so if i were to summarize that that you spend your time a in figuring out what to do whether that's on your own or that's in meetings yeah. uh, then b on actually implementing the stuff that you decide in terms of what needs to get built and then exactly. third on actually maintaining the software to make sure that it's continuing to deliver and then maybe you need to fix some things and add some things exactly right so generally what are the kind of people that you're working with in terms of their roles and their functions are you working with other software engineers or are you also working with other functions? Typically, most of them are software engineers. There are also people from other areas of management, operations, research, people who kind of understand the problems, you know, better than software engineers do. So as I said, there is this two aspects, right? One is understanding the market, understanding the external world and trying to figuring out the problems that actually exist so sitting inside meeting room won't really do that uh, you know as much right you can't you have to actually go out talk to people or even talk to market like analyze market segments and then trying to find what is missing and why is it missing and you know are there ways to actually uh, solve those problems so for, i think so there are all these people uh, both in operations they call they call business operations, which we who with whom we regularly get in touch with, who kind of inform us about their analysis of what the problems are, what products should actually exist, 
and why do these products solve the aforementioned problems and at the end of the day the company also has to make money right it's not just about creating software so there has to be there have to be people who need, the marketing people who need to think about how the software can be marketed how how it can how can it actually help the company's bottom line so that we keep doing uh, the good things i see i see okay that was very helpful naresh thank you so much um what are your working hours like I'm sure this varies a lot depending on where you're working and, and what you're working on. But typically, yeah. what are your working hours like? So, uh, so I think that's one thing which I, I really like about uh, the software engineering profession in general is that all that you need is a laptop. And then so it doesn't really matter where you are, and particularly these days with uh, all these video communication uh, software like Skype. And uh, so you, you don't need to actually be physically present at any place to even talk to your teammates or, you know, hold meetings and stuff. So so that way, I think in general, software and work, the working hours are, are very flexible for software engineers. We are, of, uh, of course, expected to uh, attend meetings. Actually, it really doesn't matter from where you're going to attend those meetings. So typically, I think my, in my case, I try to be uh, if I, uh, in office between 10 to 5. And then afterwards, it really depends. I can either go home and work or you know, sit, uh, stay back here and work. So yeah, it's just pretty flexible, I would say. I see. I see. Yeah, that that's actually a great, uh, that's a great thing if you have that kind of flexibility. <laughs> Um, I mean, do you see people, uh, a lot of other software engineers uh, working from home a lot or how does that work? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, let's say you have a family and kids and <laughs> you need to you need to go back home to babysit your kids. It, it's pretty common to see people stay in office for say six to seven hours and uh, they go back home, they get some jobs done and then probably they they come back online to do some of their work again. I see, I see. Okay. And uh, so what is the typical career path for someone in this role? In general, uh, in, in most of the companies, there are just these levels of software engineers. Basically, everybody is a software engineer, but you know, you just keep changing levels based on the amount of experience you've gained in that product area and you know how good you are at uh, building building software and you know managing people who eventually build software and leading uh, the product development uh, so I, I think yeah i mean most to the most extent it's called it's like just software engineers with different levels and i guess after that like uh, in companies it's you know, there's like managers and then vps and you know, if everything goes well one day CEO too so yeah yeah okay sounds good so and, and I'm sure this varies a lot depending on how big or small the company is or is it exactly. pretty, yeah okay all right okay so now we'll we'll switch a little bit to understanding uh, I mean I, th- I think by now we have a good idea of what the job is all about you know what kind of things do you do uh, now we'll go into more about sort of how do you feel about the job. What do you find the most interesting aspects of software engineering to be? And this is, of course, for you, but what do you find the most interesting? <laughs> that, that, that's a tricky question, actually. <laughs> because, I mean, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about 
uh, should I mention the abstract things that I like or something the tangible aspects of it that I like so well why don't uh, you mention both <laughs> okay I'll try to uh, so so obviously the you know uh, the tangible part is when where you see that the service the software that you that you're writing somehow impacts the world you know something something in this world changes someone's using it and this and, and some it's making life easier for someone right so so that is the tangible aspect and that's where i think software or products in general um that's that's you know creation of products any sort of products i think that the eventual goal is to get that happiness you know like where you see people using it and you know it's improving their lives the abstract aspect is also you know if you if you if you're someone who, who likes actually getting deep down involved in building anything you know even even, even if a, a house is being built let's say okay towards the end yes it will look all good like with all its colors and stuff but there is a lot of there's a lot of dirty work that needs to be done to actually get the house built right someone has to mix the cement and like it's, it's all hard work it's not glossy work but but i think some people enjoy going through that so i think i think one of the aspects i do like is where uh, uh system software as i said is it's not at all it's not at all uh, attractive is you can't even see that software is the, the impact that it's actually having is it's, it's a very indirect impact uh, i would say so uh, somehow building that like coming up with that new protocol which somehow uh, orchestrates like hundreds of machines it's a very it's a very abstract thing very few people understand it there are two two sides to it basically one is the user user facing aspect and one is the the deep getting down deep into things so i someone in, who's coming into this profession should enjoy both uh, because at some point you'll have to do both and i think yeah it's it's not what i'm saying is essentially it's not always you have to go through a lot of struggle to actually get to a stage where you see the product being used and uh, you know actually making an impact in this world so you have to be ready to go through the tough phase too of actually implementing and making it work i see i see yes that makes sense are there any aspects that you do not like <laughs> so so as i said you know there is this whole tough phase of actually building the product right making sure it actually works in all possible cases it handles all the corner cases you know you integrate details of the product so you know these days with all these mobile phones you build an app and that needs to work across so many different phones so many different operating systems with various dimensions various form factors another challenge we have uh in this current world is basically some parts of the world do not have fast broadband access to internet right so your service should be able to work uh, should be should be implemented in a way that it works for uh even in remote places where there isn't where the internet connectivity is weak and so there is this whole set of challenges that come across in when you're designing and implementing a software and it's tough work i mean there's no wonder like for a single soft a single piece of software to be written like there are like hundreds of people involved software engineers are always uh, companies are still hiring is the reason because in general building software is complex it, it involves a lot of dirty work mm, things keep failing all the time 
uh, another another thing I think uh, which I don't know if it is a positive or a negative side, but let me let me put it this way. So, so let's say you're building a chair, right? You're you're manufacturing a chair. There is this whole design phase, and once you finish the design, you somehow uh, manufacture the chair using that design, and somehow you sell it, right? And suppose let's say it doesn't get as much uh, demand as you expected. There is this whole like, you have to again come back to the design phase, which so if you look at this life cycle, right? This, goes in circles but the span of each circle is around one year let's right unfortunately for software there is no manufacturing phase so you the day you design you can actually put it out within a couple of days as long as it's not a big small big change but it also there is the, the flip side to it is you also tend to make a lot of mistakes or you also you you are so sometimes you could be aggressive and put out a software which is not completely thought through like all the corner cases have not been thought through and so because of this short uh, short um, iterating cycle uh, iteration we call it iteration period so it's more like very fast iterations a lot of problems creep in a lot of lot of bugs creep into software and you know eventually the software kind of um, yeah so 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 I think. That's that's the aspect of software engineering is where you also need to make you need to consider both the time uh, time to put out the software and also consider the health of the software is in is it being written using correct engineering principles if it is not once the software becomes too big it you it's, it's difficult to handle it's difficult to maintain that software and make it keep keep it running and yeah so so that's the like the dirty part of software engineering as I would put it you know making sure uh, it handles all the cases and um, and it keeps running. Are there any aspects that you find particularly challenging? Uh, and they might be different from the stuff that you just simply do not like. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of challenges. It, it, it really varies based on the product that the software is trying to uh, actually help but so let's say let's let me let me take the help of an uh, example of say search or shopping itself right so even though uh, the concept of personalization as in you know if you know if you know that it's an 18 year old teenager who's uh, doing those searches somehow the results have to be curated so somehow uh, match the interests of teenagers or some uh, something like that so other than the software engineering problems there is this whole mathematical there's this whole math that comes into the picture of how it's trying to model the person who's using the software right and somehow personalize the software to that particular person and the whole of the whole area of machine learning and artificial intelligence is where where all of this is, is generally researched and and most software these days is intelligent. It's not like just storing and retrieving something, but it is also about personalizing, making you know, making sure that the software can guess what the person, the user wants, and somehow deliver it to him before even the user actually um, asks for you know. So and and as I said, most software has this math aspect, mathematics aspect to it too. Um, and that's where I think currently most of the challenges lie, and you know, trying uh, coming up with ma- various models uh, which can uh, simulate or emulate a human, his thinking, or his likes, his dislikes. Let's say even suppose it's a music service, right? Apart from just 
telling you uh, audio there is this whole aspect of which song should i now play for the user given the environmental conditions he's in what what day of the week is it what time of the day is it and you know what has this user listened to before so there's this whole aspect of personalization which is very challenging it's uh, it involves a lot of mathematics as well as large scale software systems to be able to deliver uh, accurate results right yeah so it just sounds like a very very complicated problem to solve i guess i'm sure <laughs> yeah. software engineers are very super smart people <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 these are actually problems which have been around for 30 40 years we made a lot of progress but there is still a long way to go mhm okay so uh, i'm going to now ask you a few questions uh, from the point of view of someone who might be considering this uh, this profession as something that they would like to get into so first of all uh, what kind of person in your opinion would really enjoy himself or herself in this job so if you look at uh, writing a piece of software is is very similar to pro- solving a math question i guess it's it's basically problem solving right so you have you know where to go and you know what are your tools and you have to reach there so if you look at like the math problems we used to have in high school is where you had these bunch of axioms and theorems and you knew the results and then there was this question you know prove a is equal to b using these theorems and axioms right and you would somehow put together these theorems and you kind of come up with some kind of a logic in your head to how to use these theorems how to put them together how to manage variables and how to write an equation and then solve it to get the final answer so so it's very similar to that so you have the product and then you have a whole bunch of tools you know there is also the algorithms used uh, to actually solve that problem and so i think anyone who's inclined a little bit towards logic uh, or problem solving would do really well apart from that i think so a good, a good software engineer should also have the, the 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 tenacity to make sure that whatever logic he used to solve the problem actually works in all possible cases right that's that's actually a big deal so if you look at say let's say uh, google search so suppose even if you actually come up with some uh a way of writing that software which delivers results which you should now make sure that it actually uh works in all for all kinds of search queries for for, for um for queries in different languages uh even queries which are misspelled so there is this whole bunch of if else corner cases right and actually most of software engineering is where like you probably spend 30 30 30 per 30% time in trying to come up with the solution and implementing it and like the most most of the other time is actually spent in making sure that the implementation works for all possible conditions and you know it it handles all possible cases so one has to be somewhat hands on yeah, you know you have to have that patience and tenacity to make sure that the software actually works uh and and keep it running you know they they would keep there be more issues coming up and then you have to keep iterating and refining that software so it's a, it's a mixture of both a uh, logical skills and you know the uh, the, the the passion to uh, somehow solve human problems using software technologies i see did that answer the question yes uh, yes yes no it it answered it very well 
So basically, someone who is very detail oriented, uh, yeah. someone who doesn't shy away from going deep into the weeds, someone who has a strong analytical bent of mind and is able yeah. to solve problems, and then of course is passionate about solving problems around us and thinking about how you can use software to solve those problems. Okay. So I know that you touched on the typical background for software engineers, but simply because we are right now in the section about job applicants and, you know, what they should be thinking about, could you just talk to it again in terms of if someone is considering getting into this profession, what should be they be thinking about in terms of the kinds of education that they should be picking up? So this is actually something, it's a, it's a very good question. And I think my answer to this would be slightly different to what um, anybody else thinks of software engineers and that profession. I think a good analogy would be, let's say you want to write uh, an English novel. Okay, You have a story in your mind, you somehow want to write a novel. For that, I don't think one needs to get formal education in English, right? I mean, yes, you need to understand a bit of about how to form sentences and write and, and somehow make sure that, you know, grammatically you're almost there. But you don't need to go through a four-year degree in English literature or English grammar or stuff like that, right? You can write. Probably, for the first first time you write a novel, probably it'll have a lot of grammatical errors, but you, there would be some other person who is, you can actually look at that and somehow improve it, and therefore you can keep learning. I, I, similarly, I think just to become a software engineer, at least let's, let's say if you want to say design a website, you don't need to really completely understand uh how what is software like like what i'm saying is you don't need to understand the like right from the system software aspects you don't need to understand how a completely an operating system works to to actually build a website you don't need to like most of we i think there are sufficient number of tools out there uh, which kind of abstract all the nitty-gritty details of software like how that thing would actually work most of uh, people who are trying to get into this profession can use those tools and you know still make a, do a good job of creating software this is more towards software that is you know user facing and applications and stuff i really want to stress on this aspect uh, because i think until recently even even in uh, united states there was more demand for software engineers than supply right so most people kind of uh, even even in college they somehow take up other majors because they feel okay computer science involves like you know you have to understand you have to be you have to understand a good, of, good amount of math a good amount of discrete mathematics logic and then you have to, have to understand operating like uh, hardware or interfacing with hardware but the thing is it, it does sound complicated, but at the, at the end of the day, not every software engineer uses all that he's learned. Okay, so so my 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 suggestion is for someone who's just planning to get into this career, don't think of it as oh I have to master all of it to become a software engineer. Mm-hmm. Not really. So you can take baby steps. Try to do as much as you can in that curriculum, but like you need not be good at all aspects of it. Now, even if you've got the basics, you can still go about become a good software engineer. You just need to choose that area of software engineering, which is which which which, which kind of needs only the skills you have, and not every software engineer does everything. 
I see. I see. That's actually very helpful uh, because my, my next question was going to be, are there any resources that potential job applicants could use? And, uh, you know, maybe you could also mention some resources which would be useful in for someone to figure out, you know, what is, uh, if this is my interest area, if these are my skills, then this is what I should be learning. This is actually something which is a pressing hot topic these days as to how to motivate kids to take up computer science, right? And, and for that to happen, you need to assemble a set of resources which are accessible, which, you know, which, which uh, kind of introduces software engineering or computer science to layman's in an accessible way, right? I think um, if, if, I, if I recall it correctly, Bill Gates and uh, the Melinda Gates Foundation is heavily involved in trying to create such resources. I think one of their initiatives was uh, coding for everyone and you know women in code and stuff like that. Where I think which are a set of some set of websites where um, they introduce computer science in as uh, in a way that even layman without like good without a degree in computer science can actually understand and start coding and you know uh, implement something new and develop something so then i'm actually so i'm kind of i think mixing two people here one is if suppose you are in just heading if you're moving into college and you're trying to choose a, a major probably in the first year you can try out these resources where they try to explain computer science in layman terms and if you then feel comfortable you can take up the major even otherwise, I, I would recommend people to at least consider computer science as a minor, even if you have interest in uh, some other field, because it, computer science is not just about being software engineer, but these days you need to have computer skills and understand coding, even if you're doing something completely remote, right? Even if, say, suppose you're more, even if you're in aerospace engineering, building rockets or something, you need to still model, uh, yeah, you have to model all whatever you've designed using a computer and you have to somehow understand coding so don't shy away from it if possible take up a major in computer science even if not do try computer science as a minor mm -hmm. even if someone who's already uh, out of college uh, there are a lot of resources particularly with youtube there are like a lot of on uh, youtube and coursera there are a lot of online courses which you know right from cs 101 have accessible access to their videos and uh, I, think, I think there are even websites these days where you can get a tutor for a really, really uh, low cost and so the bottom line is yes the field of computer science is vast and it's large but to become a software engineer you don't need to understand everything you just need to pick and choose what you want to be and there is only a finite set of skills that you need to acquire for a particular role of software engineer. I see, I see. Okay. No, this is this has been extremely helpful, uh, Naresh. Um, I think my last question before we end this show is, um, what advice would you have for someone who is considering this as a potential career path? Any, any advice? Uh, to answer this question correctly, I think I should kind of recollect what, like during the, during my entire career path, what made me feel uncomfortable, right? So one of the things which any beginner in computer science kind of gets scared of is is the amount of 
interdependencies let's say you know for a software you know if you look at a software right it, it actually uh, runs on a hardware so to understand why software the the, the programming la- why programming languages are designed the way they are you kind of have to get a sense of the hardware how hardware is working right uh, because because eventually software has to run on hardware so there is some interdependency there mm-hmm. and then again you to understand how an internet works right there are so many components there is this networks and then there is this operating systems and then it's so, and then there is hardware in between you suddenly start to feel that oh man there is so much that i need to understand just to even write a single piece of code right but i think it's it's common almost everybody's been through that and and that is an area of debate even among professors even in the academic setting is no one's correctly uh, we don't have, we don't yet know how to introduce computer science uh, in the right manner all right do we start with giving them understanding about uh, other dependent aspects before get you know, going into being for going and teaching programming languages or you first start to teach language and then talk about dependencies so yeah it is still because computer science itself has been around only for 30 years maybe 30 40 years uh, we are still trying to discover a correct way of teaching computer science to kids and so uh, someone who's just starting off could feel that you know yeah this is just too much uh, to understand and it's all too vague and you know it's not being taught correctly not many people know how to teach but my suggestion is keep an open mind this is it, it's a field where you the more you do the more experience you gain the more you understand about it rather than someone you know initially actually teaching you what it is and then you know you can't you feeling very like by the end of four years you feel oh i know everything about computer science and then you go start work it's not that way you you have to get you have to just you know make your hands dirty and then that's how you kind of understand computer science a bit more uh, i i don't know if i Okay, I was able to put the right advice out, but uh, that no, would be someone. Yeah, so I, I think your advice is basically it is overwhelming. You will yeah. get scared, but don't get scared, <laughs> or don't <laughs> or don't let it scare you too much. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Naresh. Uh, I think that's that is it from my side. Is there anything else that you think that we didn't cover that you would like to add? I think. Uh, for anyone uh, still trying to choose their majors uh, i would definitely say i think computer science is not going to die anytime soon yeah. uh, it's 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 how looks like that's how the world is moving towards that's where it's moving towards yeah. uh, lots of online activities lots of people using technology to in their daily lives so uh, don't shy away from it it's a it's a safe bet definitely safe bet um and it's not just me who's thinking along these lines there is this huge movement going on and trying to uh make women join the sciences and mathematics streams and computer science is one of them so i i was always i have always been a proponent of that uh thought process yeah if if uh, there's someone out there still deciding I hope uh, I made a valid point. I made some valid points in this podcast, and they can use them, use it to make a good decision. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think this podcast 
hopefully will convince some people to consider computer science seriously. But thank you so much, Naresh. I think uh, this was incredibly helpful, very insightful. I think you shared a lot of useful tips and resources that will make people both think about what software engineering is and if they're interested, how can they actually go about exploring it further. So thanks a lot. Thanks, Sonali. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Uh, I hope to hear all, uh, uh, many other guests on your podcast to actually understand other careers. I think it's a good initiative and uh, I hope it helps people. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Naresh Rapalu, guys, with all his wisdom on what software engineering is all about. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new. My key takeaway from today's episode was that software engineering is clearly going to be a very important profession going forward. If you have any feedback to share with us or if you would like us to invite people from certain professions, please do share that with us. Our email is learn educate discover at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter our twitter handle is led underscore curator that is led underscore c-u-r-a-t-o-r on our next episode we will have someone who works as a management consultant with mckinsey and company so please stay tuned in until then take care have a good one bye